0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of our new Blister podcast, Gear 30. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and as always, you can check us out online at blisterreview.com. Today, we are talking about the new Solomon Shift AT binding, which is a product that already looks to be one of the most truly innovative products we've seen in years. And if our long term tests are as positive as our initial impressions, The shift represents a real solution to a problem that more and more skiers are experiencing. We spent the whole day yesterday skiing the shift, first touring on it, then banging out hot laps on it at Alta, and we'll be doing the same thing again today. You can see more photos and videos of the binding on the site, and also read Sam Shaheen's write-up and initial impressions on snow. And of course, we are going to be putting a ton of days on this binding over the course of this season. But in this podcast conversation, Sam and I talked to Solomon athletes Cody Townsend and Chris Rubens, who both started pushing the concept of this binding years ago, as well as Benoit Sibley, the lead designer on this shift project. It's a great conversation, and we hope you enjoy hearing more about this binding, what makes it unique, and why this was such a challenging and ambitious design process. This episode of Gear 30 is brought to you by Marble Brewery. The official birthplace of Blister. Head over to marblebrewery.com to check out all of Marvel's offerings. And now, here's our conversation with Cody, Chris, and Benoit about the most interesting and innovative new product we've seen in quite a while. So, we are here uh, at the Rustler Lodge in Alta, Utah. Um, and we are here talking about um, this new Solomon Shift binding. And joining me uh, are Cody Townsend, uh, who is probably best known for his appearance on episode six of the Blister Podcast. Uh, also very well known for being married to Elise Sogstad, um, <laughs> and then finally is a, an aspiring trad climber. So I think we, <laughs> I think that
1: pretty much covers the basis. I can't figure out anything else yeah. besides those three points. Yeah. So you cool. nailed it. Um, like w- you're going pro next year? <laughs> One of these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I got a GoPro last year, so I figure it's coming up soon. Yeah. No, I bet the GoPro of you climbing super good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, it's your turn next. So, you know, calm down. Uh, I'm also here with Chris Rubens, um, who. I learned last night is more passionate about rear-entry ski boots than, like, anything else in the world. So that was weird. Um, but uh, I think Chris's particular claim to fame is that uh, I think Cody and I are in agreement that Chris would win the award for person you'd pick to spend 24 straight nights in a tent with. I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I've yeah. thought of it like that, but... Also, Whoa. you can refer to episode six if that doesn't make any sense. But um,
2: yeah, definitely spend some time in tents with dudes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if that's what you're into, you know. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, that's what I'm into. Um, I'll well, take that as a compliment, though. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it was intended as such. Um, the rear entry obsession uh, for ski boots, less less so, but. Yeah. No, no. That's,
2: that's my passion. It's, it's going to come. I feel, <laughs> you know, like I've been working on, working on Solomon for like six to eight years now. And I figure another six
0: to eight years we'll, we'll have one out there. Okay. Yeah. Um, it'll blow your mind. No big deal. So Cody and Chris, as you are about to hear, um, these are two of the Solomon athletes who have been spending a whole lot of time and having quite a bit of input on this new binding and Hence, that is why we were talking with them. Um, I also have uh, Blister editor Sam Shaheen here. Hello. Um, he's currently not breaking uh, anything, so we're all super psyched <laughs> on Sam at the moment. Uh, what is, what is, where did this start? I don't break stuff. <laughs> okay. Um, and then finally, um, Benoit Soubley. Hello. Did I pronounce that?
3: Yeah. Okay? It's,
0: uh, Benoit it's okay. Souble. Um Ben, I th- think we can say here, is the is it fair to say the lead designer yep. on the shift binding? And please correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that Solomon basically locked you in a dungeon and said, we'll let you out when you're done with this binding. Is that pretty much how that? Yeah, yeah, five years ago. Five years ago. <laughs> so Benoit, is, it was really great to see. If you've never seen anyone see the sun for like the first time in five years. It it really was, uh, it was a beautiful moment. Um, you should see him on skis
1: today. He was doing (laughs) backflips. He's doing three sixties. I think he literally got let out of the dungeon yesterday. Yeah, It was unbelievable. Uh, So welcome to freedom.
0: Yeah. um, It's the real lion King moment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we're super happy to have you here with us on this. And, um, Turns out this is definitely a product uh, worthy of a bit of conversation. It has been a long time in the works, so appreciate you guys um, being here. So to start at a, I want to start at a super basic level with just, um, I wonder uh, who of the three of you would be able to give me the simplest brief explanation of what this binding does?
1: Hmm.
2: <laughs> uh, it, well, it's pretty simple really it does it all and it does it all really well there's like this binding has no compromise goes uphill really well and goes downhill even better
1: ultimately i mean the most basics of it is it tours like a pin binding and skis like a downhill binding um it has certification norms that no other binding out there does and it is truly as chris said a binding without compromise
3: it's uh, only ultimate uh, hybrid binding with a safety of an uh, alpine binding with a, a twin function. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hybrid binding continues to be the term you guys are using to describe that. And that seems like the inappropriate thing to say. I mean, I, we've heard a lot over the years, right? Like, you know, no compromise on the downhill. Not the first time we've heard this in the description of a um, an AT binding, right? Um, but the, and please correct me if I'm leaving something out here, but truly this is supposed to be a single binding solution for people who want to say ski hard inbounds and then also be able on that exact same binding flip into touring mode and skin uphill on a pin binding is that
2: yeah that's totally it and the only thing i'd add to that is that it has the the safety norms and that's that's probably the biggest part um that really differentiates the binding is is having the safety norms of uh, alpine binding like the releaseability
0: values and the tube certification so i don't i want to make sure everybody's crystal clear on that right so because people are like yeah i've heard about a lot of at bindings that i ski in the resort or tech bindings Did I ski in the resort? And lots of people are doing precisely that, right? So again, to be as crystal clear as possible, what is different about this binding once you're switched into ski mode as opposed to something like a marker kingpin
1: um, or some of the other tech bindings that we're familiar with? Ultimately, it releases like an alpine binding and the tooth certification says so you know we are used to skiing on alpine bindings we all grew up on alpine bindings we know how they work when they hold you in when you need to be held in and in those small but rare moments when you need to come out because you all of a sudden are putting your own body at jeopardy they come out this is a binding that actually does that but then tours uphill like a pin binding and currently nothing on the market exists like that This was something that we essentially came up with an idea and saw this massive dichotomy between low-tech bindings and Alpine bindings seven years ago and put it out there as a Holy Grail-style binding with no intentions or no idea if it was even possible. And seven years later, we're saying today that we found a solution.
0: Mm -hmm. And again, I want to just start by hitting on like currently what we're looking at what this thing does and then we're going to back up into kind of the development process so the so this is an AT binding that has it is a quote unquote safer AT binding in that there is um elasticity in that toe that toe has a release and again i think <laughs> A lot of people are skiing tech bindings and bounds, and they're either aware that they are compromising release issues and safety issues in that regard, or they're not aware, right? And so, again, I think the number we have in terms of the elasticity in the toe on this shift binding... It's 47.
3: 47. Yeah. 47 millimeters. Yeah. It's like a free ride binding, but... Uh... On a pin binding, there is a very small lateral elasticity, two or three millimeters. And and, I mean, correct me if
4: I'm wrong, guys, but it's not just the elasticity that makes it safer. It's the fact that you're not actually in the pins when you're in downhill mode. In downhill mode, it works just like an Alpine binding.
2: So we're kind of using like the the punchline of pins are for going uphill, but they're not for charging. And so you're using the benefit, like anybody that ski tours, you know, you get into a frame binding, you're lifting your whole binding up. It's every step and when you're doing thousands of steps up a mountain every day that really adds up so when you get into the pin style binding that anyone that's ski touring really loves that that's a huge reason and so we're taking that advantage for going up but then when you're going down you you have the full alpine norm
0: and the the din number on this a person can run up to a 6 to 13. 6 to 13, yeah. Yeah. And it will just be available when released. It will just be available in that 6 to 13 range, correct? So just quickly, let's talk about um, boot compatibility then. So we've talked, so if people are tracking, right, we've got a binding that allegedly now can, is a kind of quote unquote no compromise binding for going uphill and then coming downhill it skis like an alpine binding so what boots can we use with this thing
3: we use uh, the bull's boot norms alpine uh, norms uh touring norms and uh, the two hybrid uh boot uh gray pork and a uh, wtr
1: okay so yeah. the wtr yeah yeah essentially it's all norm certified boots, all yeah. adult norm certified boots are in this category can be used for this. And that differentiates from a lot of other products out there because, um, it's compatible. If, if you don't even want to tour with it, you can put, a. uh, Alpine binding with no tech inserts and ski it at the resort at any moment. Mm -hmm. So let's say you do have two pair of boots. You want to be on the ski resort in your Alpine boots. You can do that. And then the next day you might go for a tour, but you ski the Alpine and ski the resort, and then you can put in your tech inserts in for the way up and then ski that same exact touring boot and be safe and have the same release capabilities as your Alpine boot. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
0: So, I mean, so again, anybody that has a, a, just a full Alpine, a regular ski boot, you're good in this binding. Anybody that has a quote unquote WTR walk to ride boot is good in this binding. Anybody that has a grip to walk boot is good in this binding. So there are a couple of some exceptions in here. I mean, we were talking a bit about a, a short bailed boot will not, Work in this binding. Um, a, I guess a Dinafit, fit, their kind of sharp nose design, will not work in this binding. I just am trying to make sure people are mm-hmm. real fucking sure. clear on what.
1: Um, yeah, exactly. Those, those, some of those new boots out there. And, um, you know, Solomon has the X XL, which has a, a short toe bail, essentially a compact boot design that won't work for this. Um, it, it would work on the uphill, but it wouldn't work on the downhill. So yeah. that those are the only ones that don't work um, is essentially those compact shells, Um as well as non-adult norms. And or there are a few boot boots out there that don't fit into any of those single norms, um, but those are for them to figure out. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so long and short, I mean, you use the word holy grail. Mm-hmm. And I think that that actually is not sort of an overstatement in terms of the versatility and performance goals of this product. That's what we were going for. So now I think, did, should we say something else about the current binding or do we go ahead and move to kind of backing up on the design process and history of this thing?
1: You know, the I mean, the biggest like I, oh, we boil this down in the most simple terms, a lot of it had to do with safety. the the fact is that, you know, we were talking about the no compromise and you know there's been that's been thrown around a lot over the years but this is like truly the evolution of that term being that there is no compromise because in the past we actually in many ways were making compromises but that was only what because that was the only available products on the market and so now we have that evolution of no compromise where as it stands right now there is no compromise um it is something that tours really well uphill but it's safe on the way downhill and I have yet to find anything else out there that does what this binding does
2: yeah and it, it really started um i think it's seven years ago seven years ago yeah. seven years ago and it basically started when we released the guardian so <clears throat> that that year we were, we were actually on a houseboat <laughs> in lake powell and we were having a bit, the big meetings there and, and we were talking about the guardian and, and we got into this super heated three-hour discussion with the whole solomon team <clears throat> about where do we go from here like what is the next set we've got the guardian which is what we wanted like it it skis down is and it like it tours up it wasn't like the the best at touring up there was that that was the compromise but there was no compromise on the downhill and so it was like where do we go from here and it was a suited super heated discussion and uh like cody and cody and i were definitely like on the same page well it's like something that's safe and you're touring up in pins that's
0: the that's the dream and why was it a heated discussion were there people saying this
1: isn't possible there was that i think there was even this token because um there was certain people that are on the side of knowing that low tech bindings at that point weren't necessarily safe they didn't have the release capabilities of an alpine binding um so And, and and like tech bindings weren't as accepted but back then, so we had are people now. that were saying that tech bindings are not the future, and uh-huh. I think we saw it as like, no, they are the future as it stands for touring. So mm-hmm. that was where we were talking about like, but they still have a compromise to it. So we want to be able to have those capabilities of, of a tech binding, but have the releaseability and safety of an alpine binding. And yeah, it was funny. Like it did get heated because they're like certain people thinking that like, no, a frame binding is the future. We get it lighter. Um, we change up its geometry and we go that way. Um, and then there was other things that were just like, yeah, I've, I mean, I personally didn't think it was possible. Mm-hmm. Like I remember right. thinking, I was like, I have no idea, but this, that's why it was a Holy grail. Cause it was this thing. that's like this myth myth that is out there, but you're like, I, you know, someone smarter than I, someone like Ben walk and maybe solve, solve this. And you know, the Solomon's got, many years of insanely incredibly smart um, binding engineers like maybe they can come up with it these are the characteristics I want you come up
2: with the product and you have to remember eight years ago that's kind of right around when people were like just starting to invest in backcountry skiing yeah like the as companies you know we we don't have the like we take it for granted now all these like amazing boots and products we have but eight years ago we were like still like we barely had a ski boot that um, skied well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so like people, there is a huge argument about the business side of things, about like, wow, you could design this, but you'll never make money off of it and stuff like that. So um, there, there is all, the heat, the heat
3: came from all different sides. Yeah, Salomon created uh, this crew with athletes, the mountain Collective, to have, to have a crazy idea. Yeah. And to, to change the sport. To create new product, to change, uh, change the sport,
1: yeah.
3: and uh, this guy uh, <laughs> have crazy idea, and uh, it's nice to to know how the, this
1: binding to for your your practice. And that was a crazy meeting, too. <laughs> Are we talking about a
0: second crazy meeting?
1: No, that meeting in general. Oh,
0: some other ideas. But that was, yeah.
1: it was so cool, though, no, just that meeting in general. We all went to Lake Powell, a bunch of <laughs> skiers in September, going to the lake on two houseboats and mobbing around. And it would end up being the single most productive meeting we've ever had because we were pretty much locked together. We had ski engineers, binding engineers, boot engineers, and all the athletes locked in the same places for three days straight no, no internet no cell phone no yeah no, no distractions hmm. other than I, a motorboat and tubing yeah. and a whole, yeah. which is a distraction yeah yeah <laughs> and very dangerous
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. very dangerous huh. especially when you have like four corona four uh um, coolers filled with coronas and those <laughs> things get emptied in day one <laughs> um it was yeah no not, but it was crazy because the like i still look at that meeting and it was uh It was where so many ideas and designs came from because, yeah, we were locked in together for three days straight. And, um, yeah, it still astounds me that they actually, we have this because there is a lot of crazy ideas and a lot of them don't come to fruition. And this one seemed like the craziest idea. But in many ways, it was like the most important idea because, as Chris said, like, We didn't know ski boots were going to come so far back then. I didn't even ski in touring boots. Like I would hike still with, um, ghost boots and like guardians, or even right before that was still on day wreckers. And you know, so it was so forward thinking to actually go to like, Hey, no, we're going to design this binding that will hopefully change the way that people approach touring and skiing.
0: So we go from an initial meeting seven ish years ago. When does Solomon start tinkering around and working on this?
2: I think it was pretty much the next season. And we started, we didn't start with like the actual binding, but we started with like idea solutions. So, so like maybe switching out your toe piece um, with like a, a tech binding and then switching to the top and there was a few like different kind of crazy ideas in those those uh, that first year, but none of them really like like lit any fires, like solved any solutions um, or at least what how we felt about
1: it anyways. yeah, no they, yeah, there was some really weird ideas and we tested a few different things, a lot of them were like 3D molds and just like yeah. seeing if it work and they just didn't seem like they would work. And then I think it was, like, as Benoit said, it was five years ago that he got locked in the cage when he got brought on from Solomon as an engineer. And as we learned today, as an incredibly good skier, that's <laughs> when we started making a ton of progress. And that was when we all of a sudden were like, we keep com- coming back every year for meetings every um, multiple times a year and just see a new design a new tweak and you're like no this is like actually moving you know it was slow but it kept moving forward which was the most important factor
2: yeah and the first couple times you know like when you put your your uh skis on the roof of your car you had the binding covers to keep the salt off we'd go up we'd go up the lifts with those on like all secretive and (laughs) trying to make sure no one saw them and then like the first ones were like kind of like 3d printed cnc yeah. prototypes that you couldn't ski downhill on you could only like walk up and they'd make it through like you know with three or four people and then something would break and no one else would get to test it you know so it was and it, all these different ideas like in in that in that kind of genre but like totally different until until we kind of landed on
1: yeah what's in front of us today was landed on like just a little under four years ago mainly started being skiable three years ago when we first started testing that. And I think Benoit knew it was a solution compared to what we'd seen. We thought it could be a potential solution because of some of the simplicity of it compared to other things we saw and it just seemed like it was starting to solve our problems like being I mean the two main problems we were trying to solve was safety, but two like a tech binding. And we saw that this was starting to get there. And then at that point it was like, we wanted to ski like a normal binding and function and be durable and not break down. And then it took three years of testing back and forth, development and tweaking to get what we got today. Step-by-step step, we, we adjust
3: all things uh, that is not uh, good for athletes, performance, touring function, step-by-step. Uh, three, years, uh, you start three
0: years ago, yeah. So when would you say, so three years ago we start homing in, this iteration that we're looking at, yeah. how long, I mean, were we tinkering with this thing up to like three months ago was the last version, you know, 39.6 no. or six <laughs> months
3: ago or yesterday? Yeah, <laughs> no, it's a, to, to, at the beginning, we only have prototypes, uh, 3D uh, printed parts after uh, CNC uh, uh, parts, and uh, when it's uh, checked, a uh, green light with atlet with uh, first uh, CNC prototype. We design uh, p- uh, plastic parts and mold, and it's uh, four to five months to create the mold to have uh, uh, mold plastic uh, parts. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he started uh, five months uh, before uh, before the first test uh, yeah. in Whistler yeah, three years ago. Yeah.
1: We and I think that the most latest version was last, essentially last April, because we'd had it. We were getting the skiability yeah. out of it, and there was one final little tweak to it that we had to make, and then that was that was about it. But we were it was a year ago that we were. Ninety-five percent there.
0: So just to
1: uh, so December two thousand sixteen. Yeah, we were homing in on. We were in Whistler testing it, yeah. and we had really good skiability out of it. And that was the biggest thing is we had skied prototypes in the past that weren't skiing well, and it had the functionality of being able to switch back and forth for touring to downhill. It seemed like it was getting. They were testing it for its safety capabilities. Um, testing it through the lab, developing new lab processes to test it, but then we were the ones to take it on snow and it, we saw that and we were like no we 're it 's skiing well we we are pretty much there, and you know the, the i I was surprised we were like I was a doubtful in certain times because it seemed like there was some like almost flaws that I thought were of uh, hurtable. Incredible! You're normally like, so good at <laughs> it. <relationships. laughs> um And but then we like we started nailing it in, and then it just took a few final little tweaks, and that was when all of a sudden we're like, "Yeah, it's here, it's ready."
2: Yeah, no, I mean it's pretty interesting. Like through the whole process, it was like. One time you'd come over and you'd be like, holy cow, they're getting really close. And then the next time you'd go and you'd be like, oh, it's not even
1: anywhere close. You know, it was like this, like Uh total up and down. It was a full roller coaster for sure. There was times I was very, doubt, like, I doubted it. And there was a lot of times I thought, like, well, I might just kill this project. We're five and a half years in. Like, Mm -hmm. why would they keep going on this? And, you know, it's not a binding that's going to be like, like, I don't know, it's not going to be the most insanely profitable binding of all time, especially at seven years in, like this was something that was solving a, a big solution that it first started at the highest end of the market and will hopefully bleed outwards for being that it's going to be safe and people are going to, you know, backcountry use is exploding. exploding so there more people are going to be able to use this. But the first part and the first idea was like literally solving a problem that a couple of pro skiers on a boat in How- Lake Powell were really having issues with. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I think one of the biggest breakthroughs, like other than the actual design, um, is the carbon infused plastic that ended up getting used. And that like that took the that took the skiability from like okay to like okay, we have a binding that charges as good as any other downhill binding on the market. And that that was a huge uh that was
0: a huge step. So we're We're going to talk about this carbon infused plastic, but <coughs> when you say it it improved the skiability or it improved the
1: consistency of release like it, uh, the skiability. skiability yeah, both, but skiability was the first thing we noticed, and then the consistency of release was it also in, yeah. in, in, improved in, in, when what was
0: to talk about the the downhill performance, I guess there was a vagueness
1: in the toe. There was a certain, I would, I would say the power transfer was equivalent of a pretty good binding, but we weren't on the same power transfer as like, so let's say an SDH2 yeah. or a, a Warden before we had that. It was, it was a kind of thing that the highest end of skier would notice and, and hard conditions on a groomer with fat skis, you'd start to notice, but it was really when that a carbon infused plastic came in from a performance side that you're like, oh, no, it's fine. It's exactly it and has the exact same edge to edge power. It has the that power transfer it has essentially the, the same as an alpine binding.
2: Yeah. And like when we first started testing it, you, you have all, all these bindings mounted on the same ski. Oh. So you have a, a downhill binding, uh, the shift binding and a tech binding. And quite quickly, we just got rid of the tech binding because it, it just wasn't comparable. And so you're basically just comparing it against a downhill binding. And that that was like the, we're like, okay, when we get to the point that it is as good as the downhill binding, then we're good. Which was the STH. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the yeah STH or the a warden. A, and, and, yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. The goal is to have a free ride binding. Yeah. And uh,
1: yeah, it's a STH warden. Yeah. It's like the best test we always do. And I do, I've loved this test more and more as you go one and one. It's (laughs) like you go, uh, uh, the shift on one ski and then you go the STH two on the other ski and you do that with boots. I do that with skis. I do that with bindings. It is crazy how quickly you learn the difference between a ski. You're like, my left turn felt different than my right turn. And that was where we're trying to get to. You're like, Oh, but I'm the left turns feeling the same as the right left. Oh, yep. It's. Okay. Yeah. No, we're, we're there. So that was, and that on the performance thing was like, it was a mandatory for, for us, you know, like, again, that whole no compromise, like I'm ultimately not going to use a binding it out and doing what I do if it doesn't ski downhill as well as something else. Yeah.
0: So this is the first time in this conversation we've touched on this, but what you just said was we feel like in terms of in a being this new shift alpine touring binding against an sth you're seriously going on record to say you felt zero difference or a tiny bit of difference zero yeah i mean oh, what do
4: you think sam you just skied on it today <laughs> well, sam skied it <laughs> <laughs> i skied really good yeah. i mean it was we skied one day we got a bunch of good laps in in like one snow condition yeah. you know but it's it was i was impressed yeah. And I, I came into it skeptical too. I was, for sure. I was,
2: yeah, no. Skeptical. And I think, I think that's like the interesting thing. I think, um, as athletes, we were fairly skeptical on it for a, a long time. So it wasn't like you, like we wanted it to work obviously, but you're, you kind of look at it and you're like, kind of like, uh, I don't know. Is it going to keep me in? And then it's like, you do
1: like three or four
2: runs on it and you're instantly, or like you stop thinking about what's on your feet.
1: It's interesting. Yeah. There's a hurdle to overcome with the way it looks compared to way yeah. we all are used to in bindings. It has such a different look that I think no matter what, you're going to have a bias to think something that it may be weaker. It may not have the power transfer. But that's a lot of what it had to do is being those A-B testing and going back and forth and confirming that like, okay, it took a run, one run on both the shift bindings and then another run. But that A-B test is like... Yeah, this is good. And I mean we tested generally in really horrible conditions. We're in Tina in October on a glacier and it's only ski racers up there and it is rock hard solid. Like you're and we're on like one eighteens and one hundred sixes on like <laughs> yeah. bulletproof hard pack and it's like you're gonna notice some weaknesses pretty quickly. Um so that that's where yeah, I do have confidence in saying that its performance is on par with the STH2 or a Warden. I mean, the point you made about just like after a few laps, you
4: just sort of forget about it. That's exactly what happened today. Yeah. Where like if I was on a tech binding, I would feel it every like every bit of ice that you hit that jarringness or every like when you're coming out of like the apex of a turn to get that power out of the tail, you just forget about it. Ski's good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And today was like kind of the perfect day, like went up Alta, went for a ski tour in the morning, like got some fresh snow, it was awesome. Like checked out the touring capability, and then we were just ripping inbounds laps all afternoon, which is like to me that's like a pretty normal day for me. And so before you're like, what binding do I get? Like, do I you know do I bring my tech binding? And you're like, well, I don't really want to rip it inside. And then you're you end up for me, I end up on a Guardian, and it's you know it's obviously not the best best ski touring binding. And today, like you know, for me, I don't feel compromised going up and when you're in the resort like people were throwing backflips yeah, and yeah. Yeah. play
3: play with uh every light, every yeah. jump yeah yeah so, yeah. you, you just- know what i
4: mean and i i said it was one condition but really it wasn't i mean we skied like pretty light pow in the morning and then like a lot of chop and like upper wildcat and then like ice and man-made crap and like bumps and like firmish bumps and stuff like that i mean we, we, we did get
1: it in, in a bunch of different mm-hmm. snow types and and that's like what we were talking about at the very beginning. We talked about the elasticity. One of the things we didn't compare it to was the elasticity of the STH2. So the shift has forty-seven millimeters, and the STH2 has 50, 52, fifty-two. Fifty-two. Sorry. Uh, um, so it's it's really comparable on elasticity, and that drives that that performance. That what the engineers like to call MX, essentially. Um, that's where that jarring you feel, and yeah, oh, yeah. like yeah. that's. There's multiple reasons why you should never use a tech binding banging laps out on a ski hill. One of those is the factor that every single one of those bumps goes straight into your body. And, and I mean, there's other reasons, but like that's elasticity that holds you in when you're going through tr- the crud, but then it's essentially a shock absorber is really gives you that sensation of like a pleasurable turn. A pleasurable turn. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Benoit, what
0: was the hardest element of like to nail on this binding? Because we've we're talking about it a lot of different things, right? On the one hand, a binding that's gonna accept every freaking boot in the world. Yeah. And then on the other hand, they're talking about trying to dial in this downhill performance. On the other hand, and we'll we'll talk about uphill performance in a minute, but
3: so in it's the a, dungeon, it's you were a, like, man, uh, when I solve this, <laughs> I get out of here. <laughs> well, it's a toe, because it's a hybrid toe with, uh, with wings to have the elasticity for the safety, and uh, in the wing there is pins to have uh, all the touring function and a good uh, point of rotation when you walk. Yes, this, this is the toe with uh, the, the switch to, to pass to Alpine,
1: to touring mode, don't need to appeal. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The so, crux okay. has always been in the toe. Yeah, like when they we'd experimented stuff outside of the toe because that seemed like there was points when it seemed <laughs> unsolvable. You're like, how do we create something that tours with a pin but then is an alpine binding? You're like, ah, I don't know. So there was attempts to try and solve it with the heel. There's attempts to try and solve it up somewhere else. But we always knew that the toe piece is the crux. That yeah. is the thing. And I mean. The, the heel has in, in technology theres patents within the heel within the brake but it's really like the toe is like the the gold piece of this
2: and it, and i think it's like the safety side is like that's like where the complication of the toe is because to get it uh the tooth certification is very difficult so you 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 know what you want in the toe for the down to like to have that ability yeah. and you know you want pins and combining combining those two but it's really like it's always been to get that safety and that's like because if you don't have that safety then you can kind of compromise somewhere but as soon as you have that safety it's like there there's no compromise so it's it's figuring out how to do that and that's that was all in the toe with the
1: the shift
3: yeah put all things on the box (laughs) Check. <laughs> <And>, uh... <laughs>
1: they said pour water on it for an hour and then put it in minus thirty freezer and then it still has to perform the same way. Like these are the like two certifications huh. that this guy has to go through to mm. prove yeah. that like nope, it works. Mm.
0: So I think and like we <clears throat> will have an accompanying write-up on the site and we will have lots of photos and we will as soon as possible have kind of a video um, so people can sort of see the process of kind of stepping in, you know, and stepping out of this thing, transitioning from ski to walk, et cetera. But I want for people listening to have one of you talk about the fact, so I, I can imagine a listener is thinking, okay, so this thing, it's got pins, but then it's supposed to ski like an STH. Talk a bit about like pins on the up, pins are for the up not to charge in,
1: we've said. So what happens to the pins? Yeah, they essentially flip inward. Um, uh, what it is, basically, like you'll see it in the pictures, but the, the ingenious design of it is there's a piece in the middle that flips down that opens up these wings so that they expand outward so that the pins can come in and connect with your your inserts on your toe piece. But then when a, essentially that middle piece shifts back up, flips back up, those those wings come back in to its normal standpoint to essentially be an alpine binding. Um and that's that's all controlled by the forward pressure
2: spring, which is like really interesting. Cause it's like all of a sudden the forward or sorry not the forward pressure, the uh the the din spring. Yeah. So that those those wings that control putting your pins in, that that is controlled by the the din spring. So it's like you're not adding extra weight. You're using the DIN spring is a multi-functioning uh, spring and the cool thing about when you pull that middle lever down is that you're moving your boot forward so you don't have to do anything with the heel other than block the breakdown yeah so and there's me. no you don't have to move the heel back or anything like that the heel just kind of just stays there and and again correct me if I'm wrong but one thing that I
4: found really interesting is that those pins don't actually move relative to the wings it's just the, the total wing movement that allows the pins to come out because yeah. I was, I was worried about like pins, like being loose, being loose so, and, yeah, stuff yeah. and but no, it's, it's, it's like the, the wings are solid and, and yep. they don't actually move themselves. They just move the yeah. They yeah.
1: Kind of like a typical tech toe piece in that they move outward a little bit, but this is just an expanded version of that. It comes super inward to the point where it kind of hides itself and then it comes super outward to the point where it can connect with your boot. So it has that same almost principle of opening up and then locking back down, but it just, at, when it locks back down those pins get hidden and all of a sudden you have the the typical clasp of an Alpine binding clipping down on your, your toe piece as opposed to the tech inserts. I mean, the only thing I, th- I think that's that truly like comes about this is it's like it we don't say the word game changing lightly in this product like we set out from that original idea to be a game changing product and it's taken 7 years to get there and i really do at this point believe it's a game changing product so, no and it's it's you know like it's hard to do that and it's hard to do that in an age when technology wrap goes really quick. It's hard to do that when, you know, we've seen almost very few revolutions in skiing. You know, like fat skis, twin tip skis, now touring boots, and now bindings has been the last thing. I mean, bindings have essentially been unchanged for 40 or 30 years and so in many ways like we're hoping that this is kind of that that revolution that game-changing product because it is shifting the entire way you access the backcountry and ski the resort
2: yeah and i think it's really interesting like when we um we're talking about this we pro- talked about this product and be like yeah i'd use this like most of the time i think originally i thought you know i'd use it like 70 to 60% of the time, but uh, the more I use it, the, like I think it's going up to like 90% of the time, you know, I, I ski tour pretty much 90% of the time. Now I like almost, even if I'm at the ski hill, I'll go for a quick tour off the ski hill. Um, but also do like big days in Rogers pass and, and all that. And I was, I was just up uh, at blanket glacier chalet and we had four days, snowed a ton. I skied on the binding the whole time. And had no problems and like, there's just no, there's no like reason why I shouldn't be on it. You know, it's like you keep, keep like, you're like, okay, well maybe I'll use the pin for this. And then you're like, well, I don't really need it anymore. So it, to to me, it's like pretty cool that I thought I'd use it a lot. And as I'm using it more and gaining more confidence in it, I'm, I feel like I'm just going to use it like close to all the time and like easily, it easily could be my one and only binding. Yeah. The only, I but mean, we're lucky we get stuff for free, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I'll, like we've talked about this, like there's still a place for a low-tech binding, and that for me will be in those situations where you're doing 12 miles of touring and 8,000 vertical feet on the east side. You know, at that point, you're like, I'm looking for the lightest possible solution. Mm-hmm. And then there's on the like Chamonix, the most extreme, I do not want to come out ever. So I'm going to lock out those toes and make sure that heel doesn't come out. That's... Those are limited situations. So it's almost, I'm like, I, my use of, uh, tech binding is going to go down drastically for the pretty limited scenario. Whereas before I was kind of having to compromise, I'd be like, oh, if I'm going to do 3000 vert, I'm not going to go on a frame binding. I'll do that. But then I'm going to have to, uh, be on the tech binding, but then I'm going to have to kind of change the way I ski because I'm worried about tearing my legs off or I'm worried about my ski pre-release and at at some point. And then at that other point, it's like there's a lot, you're going to be able to gain full confidence on the hill. Like as Chris says, it's like, it's nice when you're traveling to, we, we get stuff for free so we can get as many products as you want. But when you're traveling, all of a sudden you're like, well, you know, there's these airline fees and it costs a lot of money to bring a bunch of stuff. So I'm going to try and pare my stuff down. And that's when, in those situations I will be, uh, you know, when I go to Whistler, when I go to Revy, when I go to Europe, I will be bringing the shift
2: only. Yeah. And I think it's just cool. Like, like I enjoy not having tons of stuff like, like the mountain lab, we like all ski, like most of the team just skis in the mountain lab boot. Now they like very rarely use other boots. So it's like, you're you're increasingly going to these like one product quivers where you like, you can get away with having one boot, one ski, one binding. And and that's uh, definitely where I think this, this
0: really shines. Yeah. Um, and we should say, um, weight-wise, blister readers will be happy to know we literally brought the scale and literally, like, took <laughs> the binding yeah, nerd, and, like, broke it all down. And so on, we heard last night that the weight on this binding with screws and brake was 865 grams, and we came in at 886 grams. With the wide brake. With a 110 millimeter wide brake, you save one gram if you drop down to a 90 millimeter brake. So they are... And they included so, the grease, too. We included the grease. <laughs> <laughs> we made, there was a lot on there. <laughs> about, I got some on my hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then, do we know, Benoit, let's see how good you are. What is the mountain binding, the pin binding coming in at weight-wise? Uh, it's a full... 495? 495,
1: 4, yeah. 495. Yeah. And then an STH2 would be... Heavy? Yeah, <laughs> Heavy. Here's a good way of putting it. We learned that there's the junior 7 binding. I don't know the exact model, but essentially a little kid's binding is what the weight equivalent of the shift is. Yeah. So no adult, Not there's no adult Alpine binding that yeah. even compares with this. Yeah, indeed, uh, one point five to seven. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. And the SH so is
2: over two thousand
0: grams. Yep. Yeah.
2: For
3: so, for the pair or for one.
0: For one. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay. So that <laughs> kind of gives you your yeah. Um, that will yeah. help kind of locate and and like by the way our measured weight on a Marker Kingpin was seven hundred and seventy five grams. All in screws, brakes, etc. So this is a slight—you've got a slight bump over that binding in, in terms of weight. This binding basically gives you a full alpine toe. So yeah, and it, I mean, I think the
2: the interesting thing is like if you compare it to like a frame binding, you're lifting your binding all the time, and like if you're skiing, ski touring efficiently, you really don't notice the weight on your skis. It's I mean that's what I've I've been finding you like, you're, I mean, you obviously can tell that it's heavier than a, like a low tech binding for sure, but it's like, it's not a big, biggest difference is having the weight on your, your foot. Yeah. yeah. Like that's like, that's the killer for sure. Yeah.
4: I mean, the then, only thing is with the binding like this, I would become, I would be really tempted to mount it on a heavier ski. Cause you know, you can push it harder. So then all of a sudden, I guess, well, you, you just get stronger, right?
2: Yeah, 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 totally, yeah. <laughs> but that's
1: also where, like, that's where, like, we're talking about skis and boots coming so far. Like, I took a QST 192-106 to the top of Denali. Like... That was, I had people looking at me like I was crazy because you were like, you have a fat ski and it's a 190 and you're taking it to 20,000 feet. Like that's the also compatibility is the fact that skis are getting really powerful but really light. And like that wasn't possible a few years ago. So like this is where this binding is moving with the evolution of touring products that are vastly versatile. Um, The, you know, the QSD 106, before I started touring with it, that was my groomer ski, And I was like, this is the most powerful, like groomer crud ski I own. Like it feels like a super G ski. And I put a pair of MTN bindings. I was like, whoa, it's really light and tours really well to the point where I was like, okay, yeah, I can bring this up to the top of Denali. So that's part of that capability is like we're shaving weight and increasing performance in boots and skis.
0: I want to ask, I think we'll transition a bit to some uphill performance stuff um, to get all this stuff, to make all this happen, right? Like, accept every boot out there, ski like an alpine boot or alpine binding downhill. In terms of pins and pin placement, were there compromises that had to be made there to just make all this stuff work?
3: Yes, they, they put it on the right place to have the uh, all range rotation of the boot the catcher 90 degrees and uh, to have the right position of the rotation point uh, to have a good uh, efficiency when you walk like uh, pin binding yeah. yeah, and we design all the all the toe uh, to with the different uh, uh, boots the front of the boot to have uh, all, all these uh,
1: twin function. Yeah. Like there was one thing I was kind of like wanting was like, you know, th- it's pretty low binding, the toe piece. And it kind of feels like it's scooped out. And I was like, oh, I kind of want it. Like if it was just plastic, like a, that made it look beefier. So you come in and you're like, oh, that's super strong. But then Benoit was right off the bat. He was like, well, you don't get 90 degrees. And you're like, well that's a compromise not worth making because you can't kick turn. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. if, you know, if you don't get to 90 degrees, it's really hard to kick turn. So those like, those were the factors of like the height of it had to be perfect. The wing height above it had to be perfect so that you can get that full 90 degrees and I can actually get a little bit further than that. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of little details I didn't know about until we started working on this project.
2: Well, and
1: I think that one of the, the biggest things
2: that is that, essentially it goes flat like in the in the flat side uh setting it's two only two degrees which is basically flat yeah um which i like if you've ever tried bindings that don't go totally flat it's really annoying when you're on the flats mm-hmm. and you're you're inevitably on flats when you go yeah. ski touring so
1: yeah um that's that's a huge plus to and to Two degrees too, it's like it's for the ramp angle of a downhill performing binding too, because I've noticed a difference between dead flat when you're on like a tech binding, it the ramp angle is different. And all of a sudden you're kinda like, Well, oh, I feel more backseat, and it just doesn't have quite the capability. So we still wanted that same ramp angle of an alpine binding, but you know, two degrees for a touring is is essentially flat. And then the riser is at ten degrees. And we've had funny conversations about that. We don't want it any taller than that because if you're hiking taller than that, we think you're going too steep.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cody's like a real Nazi about this, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Well, oh, yeah. oh. so, but you are too, right? I mean you, in fact, it's you are really. Well, you I mean, and you, you made like, him No, I'm like I'm like
1: the um the um convert to it. Yeah. And so then I'm preaching it yeah. louder because I didn't know it beforehand and then I went toured with I toured with Chris and Chris toured with Greg and then we all saw through this chain that like, oh yeah, touring steep is stupid. It makes you burn out really quickly and makes the downhill less fun and you get less laps out there. And it was like you watch Greg Hill do two million vertical feet in a year and he's going at like a 10 degree incline. You're like, oh, maybe I should do what he's doing. Yeah. And then you kind of get, you get like thrown converted and then I'm the one that I'm like, yeah, you guys all need to do this because yeah. I just figured this out yeah. last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: No, it's a funny thing. It's like, I mean, I think it's like human nature. You want to go from point A to B, the like the shortest line possible or whatever, but it's not actually the most efficient as soon as you start slipping. and. You go into those mellow thing, mellow skin tracks and you can boogie up it, you're not slipping, you're not wasting energy and, and uh yeah, I mean like Kabodi said, you go with Greg and he's putting in these mellow skin tracks and you're like, Well, I'm pretty sure he knows what he's talking yeah, about. He's
0: <laughs> he's putting in a few few skin tracks in his time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wanna ask a big question people are gonna have is icing up issues, snow issues, caking in a binding talk to me on this. I mean, we're going to be getting a lot of time in this, so we'll be weighing in on that stuff too, but I'm interested in hearing from you guys. Let's talk, say for example, um, this shift versus a guardian that both of you guys have spent a ton of time on. Um, talk to me about the icing issues.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's like, that's whenever we do these meetings, that's like, when we see like how it moves and, and all these spots, that's all has been like, we're like, well, what about icing? What about snow and, and all that? It, Cause it is like a, a moving parts binding. And, uh, basically what it is, is, um, the materials used on where there is parts that you'll have snow build up is there's rubber, which is flexible. And that makes it so that the, the snow doesn't stick. And I, it, it actually boggles my mind how little icing you get in this binding.
1: Yeah. Like, like I, I
2: was up I was up four days of snowed over a meter of snow, like breaking trail every day, doing like five thousand foot days and like didn't have one problem of of snow build up. And when I do that in tech bindings, it's like pretty much every transition I'm doing something with getting snow out of it. So
1: yeah yeah it's pretty pretty impressive things i like to like almost let the public kind of figure out for themselves because it's harder to like trust me that it doesn't ice up but i would say yeah like the guardian we definitely had issues with uh tech binding mtn has less issues but you still have issues with and i was like chris like quite surprised because i thought this would have the worst issues and it has so far the least issues. Le- fewer issues than the MTN. Yeah, fewer issues yeah, too, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because like a, a and, pin and- binding in general, like, like it can get dangerous at a point if you're not cleared out correctly. Like I've learned Andreas Fransson taught me a lot about how to get into tech bindings. And it's a lengthy, like exhaustive process to make sure. And it becomes dangerous if you don't yeah. ice out, um, Correctly. But then there's also a lot of metal metal builds up ice pretty easily. So I've had more issues with a typical tech binding than I've had with this. Um, and luckily like we're pretty spread out, uh, around the country and around the world as far as where it's been tested. And we're seeing, you know, BC is one of the worst places for ice icing up. And these guys, Greg Hill's done tens of thousands of vertical meters on it and has seen it work pretty dang well. And he's pretty much using it full time.
2: Yeah and if you like go back to the Guardian the Guardian um it definitely had s- snow snow issues for sure but that that was kind of the compromise of having the performance downhill like it, everything where the the snow is the problem in the Guardian the reason why it was a problem was that there was no compromise on the downhill there was there was no room under the toe there and snow built built up there so um it definitely far outperforms the, uh, the guardian in,
0: in that, that sense. We could keep going for a long time. <laughs> um, so I think though, what I want to wrap with is every time a new AT binding comes out, right. There is, you know, kind of the instant chorus. And I think rightly so where people are like, cool, that's awesome. I am definitely not buying that first generation, yeah right, yeah. and like I don't want to be the beta tester on this new thing, so I would really you know we've heard a lot about how long of a, pro- a development process this has been, but it would be i guess I'd like to hear you guys speak to like this iteration of the binding that we're looking at and that you know we were skiing today how, how that i i want to come back to that question right kind of solve the like if you think you Purchaser are the beta tester on this.
1: You are not hearing what we're saying, right? Yeah, Benoit, you can talk about some of the people that were on it last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Um, we 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 have a long test on snow and um, two winter uh, ago we put uh, a lot of uh, pairs on snow test with uh, guides guides, uh, snow patroller. And we test all the winter, uh, more than uh, one thousand uh, day of ski, and uh, there is a two fall, full uh, winter, yeah, and to to check uh, durability, uh, ice uh, ice packing, uh,
1: all all the issue, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like we said, this this pretty much iteration has been tested for three years, like yeah. at, in its most basic form mm-hmm. as. Like it as at ninety percent of there has been being tested for three years, so that's where I like it's been the most exhaustive um development process of any products almonds ever released um I totally get it I, I do that with snowmobiles I wait till they when they redesign I do it the next year, but like that's where we're trying why we're why we're doing a podcast right now is we're being very transparent with these processes of being like, hey like we've tested the heck out of this thing um. You know, um, I'm, I'm curious. Though. I want to see people out there and I want to see a mass market out there going and getting it. Like, I personally think it's going to work. And I was as skeptical as anybody here. Um, we've been skeptics through the entire process, essentially. So uh, I'm not out there to shill anything. I'm not out there to tell people, like, you got to get this because, you know, it's Solomon and I'm sponsored by Solomon. Like, I truly believe in this binding.
2: Yeah. And I think, I mean, we all, we keep talking about how long this, this took, but there's a reason why it took that long is there was no, there was no cutting corners. There's no like pushing it to market. And I mean, I guess we've had the, uh, the benefit of no other product, um, to compete with on this. So it's like, no, we're going to put it out when it's ready and right. And, um, it's pretty interesting, like this the the Solomon community, this mountain collective that we created is a pretty like tight knit group of people that really believe in what they're doing and um believe in like we're the monkeys that get to test it, you know. So <laughs> um hopefully hopefully when it goes to marketed it, uh it you're not testing it, you're buying your product and that's the final product and, and uh like everyone said at this table, I I truly believe in it and I'm I'm super excited for people to get out there and yeah thanks for you guys for showing so much interest in it
0: wow i think that's a wrap um appreciate it guys and uh always well cody to be talking gear with you again and yeah. chris to be doing it for the first time and and uh benoit this has been really good to meet you and yeah um, nice to meet you. I'm glad you're out of the dungeon. And,
3: uh,
0: <laughs> throwing he
2: backflips. <laughs> oh
3: yeah. 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 Christmas, days, no, I
2: kidding. mean I mean to me it, it speaks a lot that the the head designer is out there shredding and doing backflips and three sixties and <laughs> well, you know, you know you know that like he's a skier. He knows what he wants, he's touring all the time and that means a lot. Well, like I was on the lift and I and I saw you hit it. I was like, Oh yeah, I was sick
4: and then I saw Cody in it and he did backflip. I was like, Oh, that was sick. And I was like, wait, that wasn't Cody. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: was the designer? The yeah, yeah, pretty for sure. sweet. Well, interesting. And I'm, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to putting, we'll put a lot more time. Uh, we promise on this thing and, and give our updates and feedback. And, um, but this has been um, very interesting to see. I appreciate, uh, appreciate the time. And um, yeah. Um, Let's go eat some food. Let's yeah, go, yeah, too, yeah. Let's
3: yeah. Thanks for
0: having us. Yep. <laughs> That's it for this edition of Gear 30. Thanks to Chris, Cody, and Benoit for the conversation. And be sure to check out our extended coverage of the shift binding on the site, including Sam Shaheen's write up and initial on snow impressions. Thanks also to our audio engineer, Justin Bob, and to Marble Brewery for sponsoring this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to Gear 30 on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your preferred Android podcast player. Thanks, and we will talk to you next week.